and welcome back to NRI Women, the show where we chat with women of Indian origin living abroad. We hope you're inspired, learn something new, or simply find a camaraderie with these women and their stories. I'm Nanora. And I'm Bettina. Joining us today is Pashmina Reese, an international best-selling author of the Cappuccino Chronicles trilogy, an entrepreneur, a teacher, and founder of the Online Authors Office, a platform to assist new and upcoming writers with their dreams of becoming published authors. She's here to share her story of being raised in an orthodox Indian family, marrying out of her culture to her soulmate who's black Brazilian, how they overcame being shunned upon by her community while continuing to fight some nuances of racism in our culture and learning life lesson on the power of now. Pashmina was born in Thailand and brought up in Hong Kong. She had a great childhood and has lovely memories of growing up in a melting pot of cultures that is Hong Kong. And she was only 16 when she met her future husband. So we started off as very good friends. Um he I did marry my best friend. I have to say that. There was never any kind of solid inclination from my part that I would be falling in love with him or being in a relationship with him. So I met him when I was 16 at a friend's barbecue and we just hit it off and we became really good friends. We saw each other every weekend. He'd come over to my house and have a curry with my mom and it was all very very platonic. And slowly but surely I started to fall in love with this very gentle kind human being. And everything that I was brought up with in terms of having to be with my own culture kind of flew out the window. And I started to look at my husband in a way that was more human rather than culture if that makes any sense um all the boundaries of color race everything just flew out the window after 2 years of us being really really close friends and we formed a relationship when i was about 18 or 19 and um yeah the rest is history <laughs> Today, marrying out of one's culture, marrying a divorcee, or choosing not to marry is not considered out of the ordinary. Yes, there may be few comments here and there, but 20 years ago, this was still pretty alien to the Indian culture, irrespective of where in the world we are. So, what was her family's reaction when they found out? He was around in my family as my best friend. He would come over and have a curry, and of course, like. And my mom is a wonderful person. She's such a great inspiration in my life. She didn't really think there was anything going on and what I do remember is is as we were dating and we did date in secret for 10 years. When she found out, she wasn't angry at the fact that we were dating. I think what she was angry at was that I was keeping it a secret from her. And when my husband and I would go out and Hong Kong is such a tiny tiny community, we'd pretend like just to be friends. And of course on the one off we'd hold hands or something and uh, somebody would see us and I was like shoot we're going to get caught. So when my mom got wind of us like either holding hands or going on a date what looked like a date from other people in the community, um she questioned and we were like of course not no we're just friends, you know. But slowly by slowly she started to realize that this could be more than a friendship. And um she was At, like I said at first she was a little bit upset because I wasn't telling her the whole truth that he wasn't just my best friend that 
you know, we're actually together and we've actually kissed and all that stuff. Um, she wasn't upset about that. She was just upset that I hadn't confided in her earlier. Um, and, you know, today, you know, she calls my husband her son. My kids are, you know, her, her pride and joy. Um, from my immediate family, there was no, no, um, how do you call it? No backlash of racism. But from the other people in the community, it, it was, it got a little bit strenuous for me and my husband. People learn to be whatever the society and culture teaches them to be. And as a culture, we are yet to face up to the racism and sexism that runs through it. The prejudice towards black people is well known, but hardly acknowledged by most Indians. And Pashmina and her husband experienced this bias firsthand. I have to admit that some of the people in the community were rather racist um, and also mixing of like cultures was not really, you know, it was pretty much frowned upon when I was growing up. I mean, that was about like 25 years ago. But initially it was that mixing of cultures and an extreme mixture of a black man and an Indian woman was having their hands up in arms. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of Indian women who are married to black men in the world, but I've never come across any of them. Um, the only one that I've actually seen is a Mississippi Masala with Denzel Washington, and I can't remember the Indian actress's name. So I remember at school, some of my friends used to call me Mississippi because I was dating a black man. <laughs> and part of me was forced to almost become like a renegade or a rebel because I had to hide and I didn't want anyone in my family to get the repercussions of, um, of you know, me being with someone who wasn't Indian. Um, so, yeah, it was quite difficult in the beginning. There was a lot of people who stopped talking to me. There was a lot of people who looked down upon me. Um, there were a lot of people who would have like certain events and stuff and wouldn't invite me. And I got used to it, kind of got used to it because I had my own circle of friends. Most of them were not Indian, unfortunately. And they were my safe haven. They were the ones who kind of gave me encouragement and helped me to see that life was not about color, that life is actually about people and what we bring to the table. And so with the encouragement of her friends and the support of her family, Pashmina was married after 10 years of dating. My wedding was actually very simple because I was given the option um, from my mom to have a huge Indian wedding. And my husband and I opted not to because there were so many people in the community we thought would just come to just look and see. We wanted to keep our wedding quite private. So we had a very small ceremony. We invited a few people and we actually did walk around the fire seven times, the Indian style. Um, but we didn't even make such a huge deal about it. We did it at home, not even in the temple. There was a, a priest and a fire and I put on some Indian clothes and we walked around the fires and said our vows. And um, we, we did not have a church wedding and it was very simple and I really liked it that way. Soon after, they looked forward to welcoming their first child, but life had other plans. When I gave birth to my daughter, she was born at 26 weeks. 
So it was very, it was a very difficult time for me. The first two years she was born, I was really forced to understand the power of now, and understand how the present moment is what gives us blessings and signs. Um, and I, I needed to also help my husband to bring in a paycheck. So teaching was was at my doorstep and I had done it because when my daughter was in the hospital in the NICU for three months, I mean, it did cost a lot of money. Plus she had two eye surgeries. She had to go to occupational therapy, physical therapy, um, you know, and I wanted the best for her. So, and I did not want to burden my husband because when you don't expect things to happen this way, you know, you expect to have a normal birth and you expect everything to be as you planned and it didn't. There was something else that happened that Pashmina didn't plan for. When I was pregnant, I feel like my daughter was the seed of inspiration. And I would just like, I was put forced on bed rest even before she came out. So the only thing that I could do was just write. And it was chicken scratches. It wasn't anything, um, you know, not to say important, but it was something that kept me occupied. So when she became when she came out at 26 weeks and she was born premature, then the journal writing became even more powerful for me because it really got my mind off um, what was going on in the hospital. Um, I would sit in the hospital coffee shop and imagine these women um, talking to each other because they were, they were the only, like they were my respite because everyone else around me was either talking about death or counseling or the power of now or live day by day and I didn't want to hear those words. I didn't want to hear that maybe I come in one day to the NICU and she's not there and it drove me a little bit crazy to hear those so I just decided okay I'm going to sit down and I'm going to journal. I'm going to try and heal myself through writing instead of crying every day and not being able to do anything about the situation. During a time that was out of her control, Pashmina turned to pen and paper rather than an individual. While it helped her heal, writing also helped her escape reality and find the freedom to be happy given her situation. My family was there for me every step of the way. I mean, I have a huge Indian family. I have a huge Brazilian family, you know? So collectively, like I was supported in terms of you know, them telling me, don't worry, it's going to be okay. But at the same time, you know, I, I felt like if I, if I kept being unhappy, that I wasn't, it kind of mirrored that I wasn't listening to them. So yeah, it was, it was in the simple things like finding some joy in writing that I could actually have the inner happiness and of course I respected and I appreciated everything that my both sides of my family were doing every single one of them said if you need me I'm here you know don't worry about anything we are here for you and you know in times of crisis when people come to you and say things like that you can't be anything but humbled and honored that there are so many wonderful people there that that are with you but at the same time, as a mother, um, you know, knowing that your child might not be around the next morning was, was really a, a path of suffering for me. It was during this time of journaling and writing that the first manuscript for her book, The Capuchino Chronicles, was written. 
though that manuscript didn't see the light of day for 14 years. Pashmina's daughter got better. They went on to have another child, and Pashmina continued to work as a teacher, where she moved up the ladder to head the visual and performing arts department at an international school in Thailand. As I was at the peak of my career, um, I knew that the next place that I needed to be was an admin, and I, I couldn't bear to think I couldn't go to school and I wouldn't be able to be in the theater or not be in the classroom. So I kind of knew that I needed a shift after 14 years. Um, I, I wrote a play called Insomnia when I was at university in London, which got produced. You know, I've, I've written a few scripts, I've written a few plays, and I wrote The Cappuccino Chronicles actually 16 years ago, and then left it in a dusty cupboard until two years ago. So I did, and I do, have a passion for writing. And that's how it came about. When I decided that I needed a career shift, I thought, okay, let me take my manuscript out of the dusty cupboard and see where it goes from here. I said to my husband first, I'm going to be an author. And he's like, okay, <laughs> what does that exactly mean? I was like, I'm going to write a book. And he was like, okay, I'm with you, I'm behind you. And, you know, just make sure that you, what you're doing is, you know, you've been a teacher. I said, but I don't want to really stay, you know, in the same establishment for the rest of my life. I think I need to try something new. And he's like, okay, go for it. I had a lot of people who were cheering me on, including my, my parents. Both of my children were like, go for it, mom. You know, they, they, they saw something that in me that they were like, just, you know, do it, just go for it. And I did. And revisiting it actually gave me a sense of freedom again and, you know, joy that I didn't think about how this, how these characters came about. I didn't need to think about the suffering that, that brought these characters to light. It, they actually gave me kind of like a springboard to carry on and on and on and on. Pashmina felt a deep connection to the character she had created in her book, The Cappuccino Chronicles as they were born during the toughest time of her life. And again, 14 years later, the characters gave her the quiet confidence to take the decision to move away from the only career she had ever known. But it wasn't easy. The journey wasn't so easy because I had to do pretty much everything on my own. There's a lot of back office work that authors don't think about and so that's why we created the online author's office so we could help other authors um, in the back office while they're pretty much focused and centered on doing the creative part which is the writing. The online author's office or OAO as it's known was a natural business extension for Pashmina. She was fortunate enough to work with a great team of editors and publishers that helped in getting her book published. And she, in turn, wanted to provide a platform for other budding authors and for their books to be published. The Online Authors Office was created because I myself needed help. Um, I wrote the Cappuccino Chronicles when I was still teaching, when I was still the head of the department of, of the Visual and Performing Arts Department. That's a lot of responsibility. And in tandem, I was writing the Cappuccino Chronicles. There were nights that I would go to sleep at like 2 o'clock in the morning and, you know, wake up at 5.30 and get my kids ready, get myself ready, and we'd go off to school because we were in the same school together. Now that was fine for a while and it was quite exciting. 
by the end of the year after the Cappuccino Chronicles was done, I, I had become a quite ill. Um, and I knew that I had to write two more books. So the online author's office came about because I myself needed assistance. And I sat down and I figured it out who are the people that were there for me initially and how can they help me to make it easier that I can just be thrown into the creative process and they're the they're the ones you know supporting behind me. So I gathered people who helped me who are um, editors, designers, um, there's legal help, uh, professional research advice, publishers, a number of publishers, research team who would help me figure out if I could use a quote or not, um, legal advice about using trademarks, and you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff that you need to look through. So when I wrote, actually I wrote Mocha Madness in six months because I had the space and time to do it. And when I had the space and time to do it, my creativity was overflowing. I had a lot to write and a lot to envision because I wasn't thinking about all the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. It's almost like a theater production. You have all the crew in the back and then you have the performer in the front. But if, if the crew doesn't turn on the lights and the sound and the aircon, the actor or the performer is going to be there in the dark. So this is a metaphor that I use for a lot of aspiring authors who want to join the online author's office. Pashmina found success not only as an author, but also as a founder of the online author's office. The OAO has helped five people publish their books and will have eight more books published by the end of 2019. Her professional success now matches her personal success of living a life of compassion and understanding with her family. They have taught each other to be steadfast human beings, living a life full of love with no racial boundaries. We have two beautiful children. I want them to grow up in a world that is colorblind. My stepfather is Chinese, my mother is Indian, my husband is Brazilian, and I'm Indian. And when we walk out together, especially when my kids walk out with their grandparents, so there's two black children um, with their Chinese grandfather and their Indian grandmother, and they, they call my mom grandma, and they call my stepfather nana, which means grandpa in Indian. And I'm telling you, when they go out together, just the four of them, they get stares and people come up and talk to them and they're like, are they adopted? Where are you people from? And it's the most interesting thing to see. And my youngest, especially, she's quite feisty. She doesn't understand it. She's like, yeah, that's my grandma and that's my nana. And she's completely colorblind. And the innocence of that is so beautiful to watch that I never want her to lose that. But it doesn't matter what any of us look like. You know, we're all family and we're all connected. And a favorite life lesson she would like to share? Just really live in the moment because you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. And one thing that I do really suggest for women is to forget about the past. You know, we, we, if we cling on to the past, it doesn't really help us move forward. And looking at the beauty of the present moment gives you clarity. 
I really realized that that when I start thinking about the past, like, oh no, why didn't I do this, or why did that person say that, or you know, could I have said something different? I'm just beating myself up for no reason. But if I focus on the moment, like being here with you right now and talking to you, my full attention is here on this podcast, speaking to a beautiful woman like yourself. It you know it empowers me to know that. I'm here with you at the moment, at this very second in time. But if if we don't live for the power of now in the present moment, and even if we live too far into the future, we beat ourselves up too. We're not even there yet. Things could happen in like you know out of nowhere. And having a, a very difficult birth with my eldest child taught me that that fork in the road threw me off kilter,、um, like you won't believe. But what do you do? You can't be like, oh, what should I have done? What do I do? You just have to go forward, whether the moment is really beautiful or really horrible or mediocre. That is the moment that you're alive and breathing, and that's the moment that you need to cherish. Eckhart Tolle said, "No matter what happens, no matter how much your life changes, one thing is certain: it's always now." And that. Is the fundamental truth. I'm Bettina, and I'm Nanora. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you will help the voices of our guests be heard by sharing this episode with your family and friends. We can be found at www.nriwoman.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just look for NRI Woman. If you or someone you know has a story to share, please get in touch with us at hello at nriwoman.com or tweet us at nri. Underscore woman. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NRI Woman Podcast. Our featured fellow podcaster for this week is Mouse and Ween. Two sisters, one single in Hollywood, one a Real Housewife, tell stories of love, life, and pubic hair. A comedy talk podcast by Julianne Eggold and Joelle Cohn. Their podcast is available to listen to on most podcast platforms or wherever you listen to ours. Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens, and we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. Come listen. We're a couple of sisters. It's great. <laughs> is this the Muppets. Yep. I'm a mom. I'm a kid. <laughs> I'm a mom in San Diego with a bunch of kids. I'm single and alone because I'm an adult baby. Go ahead. Quick. She's in Hollywood. All right. Listen、awesome. to us. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Go give ten seconds. <laughs> Life, love, and pubic hair. People, come take a listen. See you later. Bye. This episode was edited by Dipti Shabish. New episodes come out every Monday. Make sure you subscribe. Until next time, keep learning, keep inspiring, and be kind. Next week on NRI Women. So for me, sustainable travel has been a big part of my thoughts lately, like and how I can actually work that into、uh, what I do. So it's not just about going somewhere; it's about really looking at where are you traveling to, who are you meeting, are you really making a positive impact where you are and the people that you are meeting in that destination? If so, how? And if not, how can you actually do something positive for them?